The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus came down with the twelve disciples and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Generous God, may the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Inspirer. Amen. They had come to hear him in order to be healed. We might be familiar with the idea of visualizing a particular goal, a particular realistic outcome that we want. We might be familiar with setting an intention for a particular stretch of time, whether an hour, a day, or a year. And the text tells us pretty clearly about the intentions of those to, who came to hear Christ that day. Whether or not it was Christ's intention for their time together, the people were interested in hearing Jesus so that they could be healed. But hearing in the Semitic understanding also implies following the directions given. In other words, the people who came to hear the Beatitudes that day were interested in following an adjusted life direction. 
based on received wisdom. If we look at the Shema, for example, it contains the encouragement to hear and thus follow the Lord, Adonai. Hear, O Israel, Adonai is our God, Adonai alone. To adapt a popular phrase, maybe for us gathered together as the church today, hearing is believing. Or, drawing on our psalm, we might say, trusting is believing. We could imagine Jesus praying ahead of time for the crowd who would gather that day. Praying for them and for us as the church that he sought to establish. Abraham Lincoln was a man who credited his mother's prayers for much of his success in life. He said, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. Lincoln saw his formation at home complemented by his education at school. For him, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. In his approach to work, Lincoln valued preparation. He said, give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. But Jesus wasn't just sharpening a bunch of axes in a massive one-room schoolhouse on the plane that day. According to Luke, at least, it was on the plane. According to Matthew, it was on the mount, but... Regardless, the essentials are there. He wasn't just prayerfully casting seeds of grace and compassion among the crowd. He was building a movement, preparing the way of the Lord, enacting a philosophy of embodied healing. In his children's book, Desmond Tutu adds some helpful interpretive links to the Beatitudes. In addition to the familiar blessings we heard this morning, he added the following four blessings to the list. Blessed are you who feed the poor, for yours are the hands of God. Blessed are you who comfort the sad, for you are the arms of God. Blessed are you who work for peace, for you are the voice of God. Blessed are you who are loving and kind, for you are the heart of God. Sometimes we need to turn God's action around so that we can be a part of it. I still remember long ago when a friend from college was sharing about a sermon she had heard on the Beatitudes. She recounted how blessedness in the ancient understanding wasn't just about God promising future happiness or future well-being, whether on heaven or whether on earth or in heaven Blessedness was also about a present state of being connected to God and one another in the here and now. Thus, for example, saying, blessed are you who weep, was also another way of saying congratulations to you who weep, or way to go to those who weep. Kudos was a familiar phrase from my principal growing up. Kudos to you who weep. 
feels contradictory to heap praise on those who are weeping until I remember that tears are absolutely a healthy, God-given response to a disappointing or tragic situation. Having the courage to cry openly is a way of issuing an invitation to those around us to also share their emotions more openly. We live in a culture where weeping is not usually encouraged. We live, do we depend on one another if we're going to build those code-breaker relationships among our friends, in our families, in our church? We build those code-breaker relationships when we refuse to be silent about how we truly feel inside. Our hymn reminds us, let every creature rise and bring peculiar honors to our king. In the older English, peculiar honors could include those talents that we uniquely have by virtue of our birth or experience. We each have gifts that we've been given by virtue of our circumstances in life. But I wonder if weeping at an appropriate time can also be among those peculiar honors that we offer to God. We are told that the crowds came to hear Jesus in order to be healed. I imagine that Jesus understood this desire and responded by giving the crowd an emotional and spiritual riddle that could only be unlocked by embracing that which we in our humanity would often rather ignore. Our moments of disappointment, isolation, rejection, loneliness, hunger, poverty, or powerlessness. Moments where tears and prayer might be our only earthly response. And maybe this is why Paul is so passionate about resurrection in, the, in our second reading. Because he was journeying through so many experiences of death in his ministry he had seen so many people give their lives for their faith. If there was no resurrection, Paul was concerned about being overwhelmed by and alone in his disappointments. Thus being among those who are, of all people, most to be pitied, in his words. Paul was not the only one who wanted to be one of the faithful like trees planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in due season with leaves that do not wither. An image shared from us, shared with us in both Jeremiah and our psalm. Indeed, the beginning of the psalm sounds almost like an extended instruction booklet on blessedness or happiness. Happy are they Jesus gives us another vantage point on truth when he helps us remember that we all experience hunger, poverty, disappointment, and tragedy. It's a part of life to journey through the valley of the shadow of death at times. Jesus reminds us that we aren't alone in these more difficult moments. Christ is with us. The great cloud of witnesses surrounds us. We are part of the baptismal community journeying through death toward eternal resurrection. Jesus promised the woman at the well that for those who drink from the water that he shares, 
that our water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Our Eucharist has both water and wine in it. And after all, on that day, whether it happened on the mount or on the plain, the people had come in order to be healed. This is our baptismal covenant, our baptismal promise, our baptismal mission. May the healing waters flow. Amen.